Skill. Sometimes they call me out. <laughs> so some dude. And this is uh, The Appeal, a.k.a. Walker's Appeal, on the Wake Up Radio. Shout out to Andy Ashby. And all the programs here on the on the Wake Up Radio family. Oh, remember to check us out at otw2tube.com. Uh, for for the for, for new content that you can't get anywhere else. Man, how was your how was your week, Rob? Pretty good, pretty uneventful. So can't complain. Uneventful. Yeah, uh, 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 yeah man. Uh, I, I wish I could, complain, but uh, <laughs> never the case. <laughs> but uh, we can always inhale and exhale, and we move forward. Great show lined up today for you. Always, um, as always, we move in the spirit of. Uh, if you understand where you've been, then you can understand where you're going, and uh, <clears throat> whatever issue, right? That's a, it's it amazes me how society just makes mistakes over and over again. Um, I think mistakes. I mean, I, things happen the way they're supposed to happen, mm-hmm. but it's predictable. <laughs> We've seen this movie before. Like Hollywood, rehashing old classics. Yeah. <laughs> the greatest hits. I, I guess that's why Hollywood, those uh, rehashes are always successful, because people like to see old it's movies. Not, no, I don't think it is that people like to see old movies. I think it's, they just wait, you know, 10, 15 years, and you got a whole new crop of people who think it's something new. You get enough of the population to go along or not paying attention, you can pull the same old joke. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have some people who just like their favorite home team and don't care. So they're they're waiting for it. They want to see the same trick shot. They want to see the same magic act. It's a team favorite, you know? Yeah. So that's what we're left with. Yeah. Teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> but uh, today, well, yeah. uh, today, uh, I shall we call it, uh, Can America Survive America? Right? Um, we're going to be discussing... Uh, we're going to be discussing. Hold a second here. I should have this already queued up, <laughs> but it's live. Uh, today we're going to be discussing uh, the shape and direction uh, of the modern civil day rights civil rights movement. Uh, Facebook and Donald Trump. That was pretty interesting. Uh, uh, and the, and the platform. Uh, today we're also going to remember. Uh, the Chicago Defender, right? Um, 
the Chicago Defenders should be there to you because, again, we're on the the Wake Up Radio. We talk about independent uh, media, (laughs) right, where we can control the narrative. And one of the first uh, media outlets to do that was the Chicago Defender, founded in in 1905 uh, by Robert Abbott. You know, again, um, uh, he was one of the the, the advocates uh, for the Great Migration, right, The, the, the move out of the South uh, into northern cities like Chicago, uh, like New York, uh, you know, and uh, Detroit and things of that nature, Cleveland, you know, uh, to factory jobs. No, not that we, not that we escaped racism, and some will say, you know, depending on how you look at it, uh, Booker T would have been fervently against that kind of kind of movement, right? Because uh, yeah, again, Booker T never met an idea that he liked. Booker T? He never met an idea that wasn't somebody else's that he liked. Uh, I mean, but when you talk about uh, founding your own and and having your own independence and creating your yeah. own thing, there's a point to that where we don't have now. <laughs> no, that, but that's, that's a separate ideology and aspect. You can have that ideology and aspect. There's no reason to be a hater. And if you look at his contemporaries... He, compared to his contemporaries, he was a. He, he seemed pretty contentious. No, I'm not sure why you get that. So, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's too many people. Too many people came out of Tuskegee University saying that Booker T was contentious. Booker <laughs> I mean, started too many careers. Uh, I mean, there would be no George Washington Carver if it wasn't for Booker T. I mean, uh, I mean, the. Uh, well, sure, I mean, that's a very long list of folks who would not be who they are today if it wasn't for Booker T and the institution he created. But anyway, so there's the Chicago Defender. Um, uh, again, these uh, these early outlets serve as uh, outlets for early writers, right? Your Langston Hughes, your uh, Gwendolyn Brooks. This is Ida B. Wells, right? This is how they got their news out. Right, they couldn't. They couldn't go to mainstream media and do it. <laughs> uh, much hasn't changed. That's why Shout this space is unique. We're not just repeating the same talking points from the AP press releases. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And that's a big um, problem, actually, with independent media and even smaller, like local media. Today, we have like you talk about the papers that we had back then, right? They were in operation back then. They may have been more focused, but that's because they actually had a purpose. If you look at the local papers we have around here, like the Caribbean papers and stuff, what's their focus? What are they actually reporting on? Yeah, yeah. Actually, they're not even, well, they're non-profits, actually, I think most of them think that. I don't care if you're non-profit or panhandling. If you're going to be a newspaper, give me news. That's your purpose. Well, I'm saying if you're the nonprofit model means that you're dependent on 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 grants and things from politicians to grant you funding. Therefore, you can't say anything bad about the politician who's you can't bite the hand that feeds you. So you're not. You're the that's not news. Model. That's not news. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly. public relations, it, and that's what it, we have. That's what it turns out to be. Um, the Defender still exists. Uh, it's an online digital magazine now. Um, so uh, I guess it's still going in some way, shape, or form. But uh, it, it's, it's, it uh, was founded in, in a great point in history uh, as we're coming into the century. Still fresh out of slavery. Uh, still trying to 
pushback against the onslaught of Jim Crow as it was starting to wear its ugly head for real, for real. And um, yeah, <laughs> so uh, we remember the defender. Um, also, uh, we want to remember uh, Providence Hospital. I think we mentioned top Providence Hospital again, but uh, yeah, this week was the week of the founding of Providence Hospital. Um, why is that? Sig- and uh, we got the funding for a new police precinct here in Southeast 116. Um, the top issues from a survey we conducted uh, was that for people uh, were education and healthcare. <laughs> but you know, there's folks around here who want to hang their hats on getting a new police precinct, and then complain about where the funding is going to come from for a hospital when you just spend ninety million on a police precinct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, if you try to talk about even talking about creating jobs, I think that hospitals create much better jobs than police precincts. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, and not to not to mention that the, the systemic racism that goes through NYPD, therefore, that says that most of those folks who work from this community anyhow, it's um, very problematic and very troubling that uh, that's the analysis that uh, folks who call themselves quote-unquote leadership come up with. Um, the Providence Hospital is an example of black achievement. We started, and that, that was back in 1891. <laughs> I mean, fresh out of Reconstruction. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, we can look at examples even more recently. What What's the name of that one uh, education complex over there? It, it, oh, shoot. His name just popped out of my head. He was the rep from uh, Bayside for a while. Republican guy. It's got that school mm-hmm. complex over there on the highway. Anyway, there are examples of doing it. Okay. It's just no motivation. And there's no nothing forcing them to do anything. So they sit back and reap the rewards. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean. Um, uh, uh, There's no threat. There's, there is zero threat to their power right now. and has been for some time. Yeah. This so. month, uh, Dr. Nathan Hale Williams, uh, a surgeon at Providence Hospital um, in Chicago, uh, I mean, which is functional up until this recently. Uh, Michelle Obama was actually born at Providence Hospital back in the 60s. I mean, uh, it was a real functioning institution. Um, again, mismanagement and uh, racism <laughs> uh, led to the led to the institution's demise. But you know, it's just uh, it's always amazing how people think we say we've we've made progress. How we how we made progress and we lost our institutions that we control. Like, like, how is that progress? Like, how do you on how you count progress? The people that we're exactly. listening, quote unquote, listening to, count process, <laughs> progress as being accepted by the people who had taking things away from you. So, if that's your measure you of progress. And are you accepted? <laughs> but it's still not accepted. Are you even accepted? <clears throat> yeah, that's arguable. And then again, mm-hmm. whether you're trying to be accepted by or who. Well, what does acceptance look like? The people accept their dogs, but they don't let them sit at the table (laughs) and eat with them. Mm. What does acceptance look like? 
But yeah, shout out to Dr. Nathan Hill, Williams, and all the other folks who uh, led to the founding. Uh, I mean, that goes to Richard Mason Hancock, uh, John um, uh, Lewis Reynolds, among others, uh, who started that institution. You know, I'm always a big fan of organization and institution. Uh, uh, also, uh, this week is the week um, was the founding of the uh, brother, the Brotherhood of uh, <laughs> Hold on. Uh, give me a second. Jeez, uh, I don't want to. Uh, we're live. We're live, folks. We're live. This is this is live. Uh, yeah, the, the Brotherhood of uh, Sleeping Car Porters. Very uh, important. And there's a socialist movement in here in New York City, and and the same arguments that were made then. Uh, again, I told y'all folks if you got a chance to ever read Heber Harrison, he's a uh, wonderful uh, advocate on this issue. He was a socialist. Uh, w. B. Du Bois was famously a socialist. It's a socialist movement, and um, I would take up argue with C. L. R. James on this fact as well author of Black Jokobin, that socialism is not, it's not a class issue here, right? Uh, because even though socialism and socialists and the union movement was fighting for workers' rights versus big capital, they still excluded blacks, <laughs> right? They still excluded blacks, right? They excluded black membership until uh, the uh, Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters uh, uh, was granted membership or chartership in uh, the 19... Uh, 25, I believe it was, right? Yeah, 1925. Let me. So with the the the, the struggles of for black union rights up until that point were largely ignored. Uh, we weren't allowed into unions. Uh, they actually mm -hmm. supported the segregation of certain um, uh, institutions, right? Uh, so even though you were, even if you were in the union. <laughs> you were still a second class citizen. Well, this race has been used to help organize and divide labor from the beginning in the United States before people really had a concept of themselves as a, a unit of labor or anything else. This is, this predates Marx and or anything else. So, if you're dealing, <clears throat> if you're looking, if you're trying to look at things as from that kind of critical perspective, you're always going to come up short. And that's why our socialist or leftist movements in this country are freaking jokes. <laughs> you know, you, you look at what the DSA is even doing right now. They've gone from being this hot new brand to really just being another foot, front man for the Democrats. They're doing the same exact song and dance that I saw the Working Families Party do. The only reason the Greens are relatively untouched is because they're ineffective. <laughs> you know, Good analogy, my brother. Good analogy. That was a great analysis. I mean, uh, and again, you always I find these things like these connections to history as interesting to me. Uh, so remember, last week we we discussed um, uh, we discussed Haru, uh, Harlem mm -hmm. Youth Opportunities Unlimited, and that the the director uh, of Haru was um, uh, uh, I think Cecil DeGrasse Tyson. Uh, yes. The father <laughs> of Neil deGrasse Tyson, mm -hmm. uh, one of the 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 the, the great intellectuals uh, of our modern time, mm -hmm. and um, the brother the brotherhoods of sleeping car porters, uh, even though founded by A. Philip Randolph, 
uh, its uh, vice president, and it was uh, C.L. Bellums, right? C.L. Bellums, and you, if you, for those of you on the West Coast, Oakland stand up, <laughs> um, will will be familiar with Ron Bellums, and C.L. Bellums, who was prominent again, this is turn of the century, uh, 1900s, early 1900s, uh, is the uncle of Ron Dellums, a famous mayor and congressman from Oakland. Uh, I always have a soft spot in my heart for Oakland, one of the great black towns in this country. So, you know, where we're, we're blacks have opportunities to thrive. And um, they're so far between that you got to take notice. Um, but yeah, so, and so he comes out of uh, the sleeping, the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters, as does E.E. Nixon. And uh, for those who don't know, E.E. Nixon out of Montgomery, Alabama, uh, one of the reorganizer of the Montgomery Books boycotts, right? He's the one who actually thrust Martin Luther King into his first walk on the national stage. He's the one who asked Martin Luther King famously, if you're scared, then maybe you shouldn't be doing this, <laughs> right? And, and Martin Luther King, who was reluctant to actually take the lead on the bus boycotts, responded by saying, no, I ain't scared of nothing. And then, you know, the rest is history. Um, but it was uh, 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 Rosa Parks was Edie Nixon's Secretary, uh, he was he was he uh, an organizer for the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters. He was also head of the NAACP. E.D. Nixon was a dude that we all should know. <laughs> it's just like he wasn't he was known as in the same vein as um, Elijah Muhammad. He was not a good speaker, right? Which is why you know uh, there's the organizer and then you have the spokesperson. Martin Luther King is a spokesperson. Malcolm X is a spokesperson. But the 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 the, the power behind those great guys. Uh, you know, like true leadership, you never see it. And E.D. Nixon was that. Again, um, a shout out to the sleeping, the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Parties, which no longer exists or has been absorbed into other unions, actually, because people don't like trains no more. <laughs> and the history of the of the of, uh, of the uh, sleeping car parties is kind of it's kind of sad, actually, right? Uh, because this is like the worst job you can get like um it's very menial um and actually it was around so tipping there's been a long debate about tipping i'm not sure if you heard about this rob the origins of tipping yeah Mm -hmm. so to tip somebody to them, right so in other words uh, white folks i would never tip a white person because to tip him is to look down on him well it means really salary action yeah the tips are what made the brother the, the the careers as a sleeping car porter lucrative for blacks. That was the best job you can get as a black at the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and because you got to see the country, you were played relatively well to other jobs like sharecropping, uh, relative relatively speaking. This became the job for for blacks who had no other opportunities. But it was a job that was really looked down on whites, and it was almost like a. Uh, a show because you know they you know you'd have to put on a show for white folks like you'd have to you know slap it up you know um well it was a new form it was connected to the railroads it was connected to the railroads and the railroads are of course connected to quote-unquote manifest destiny in the united country so it was it was a theme job you saw the same thing happen again in the 60s and 70s with companies like pan am working for pan am was the greatest thing since sliced bread because flight and the jet age and all blah 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 bullshit same idea same idea 
Slavery had ended, and this was your way of actually having a nigga. You would have a nigga who would do, serve you, just like you would do in slavery, and, and, and laugh yeah, and dance the, when it ain't funny, all kind of yeah. demeaning, demeaning activity. Well, because that was, part, that was part of the experience. You were taking, the, the reason you had a sleeping car was because you were taking a trip. Yes. Okay, so it would be like, it, they were the entertainment. It would be no different than if you went on Disney cruises today, if they still had cruise ships and we weren't all living in a viral apocalypse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the difference is that that union was able to capitalize and actually make something out of that rotten niche. We don't have unions that do that or make niches anymore. No, we don't. We, no, like no, we, we covered last time, you have a, a power, what could be a or was once a powerful union like the teachers' union here in New York, and you see what they've been reduced to. Yeah, union having a, a ton of them, you know, you're an educator, you know this. Look at how your teachers mm -hmm. have been treated with everything from rubber rooms to, you know, not having, supposedly not having enough classes, to not having, to having too many students, and, no, you know, it, they stockpile you guys, and again, we don't get new schools. But we do get new precincts. It's, it's a function of power. And ignoring the yeah. fact that you've been stripped of power and just chalking it up to, oh, well, it's just politics. That politics is power in play. So that's what we yeah. need to look at. It's not just that we don't have unions. It's what do we have for representation even on those unions. You can't do a story about something like the sleeping car porters and not look at the most recent connection between a union and something like civil outreach and civil rights. You had an example of President yep. Obama telling LeBron, hey, by the way, with that whole you know boycott and protest thing, maybe don't do that. That That's a complete betrayal. <laughs> Talk about a 180. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> All right. Yeah. So that shows you the stark contrast of what we're dealing with as far as leadership today versus even unnamed leadership. You know, 99% of the people out there will never be able to tell you who the hell was part of or started any Porter's union or anything else. But they can tell you who LeBron is and they can tell you who Obama <laughs> is. So where are we actually at? Covering all this stuff doesn't change anything if we're not actually going to have any actual activity today. That's where our focus needs to be. That's where our pressure needs to be. Because there's no way that you should have a news media, independent or otherwise, like the ones that you covered earlier, that would let a representative like Obama, even though he's out of office now, get away with some crazy horse shit like that. How are you in the middle of a movement and you tell the people who are carrying that flag for you in public media, by the way, maybe calm down a little bit? How the hell is his head not on a pike? How do you mention that man's name in a positive light in our community still, to this day, after some crap like that. But, oh, but well, these are the same people who are busy say? rehabilitating the memory of George Bush, right? What did Jesse say? What did Jesse say in the ad trouble? Do you remember? Jesse Jackson, uh, he thought the mic was off, and he says, I want to cut Barack's balls off for talking down to black folks. <laughs> Yeah, but look who got okay. But who got mad at him? Who got mad at him? I mean, the same folks who got mad at Cornell West for criticizing Barack in his position on militarism. I mean, so who is actually listening? Who is listening to who is listening to this parade of fools? Why are people still taking any of this direction from them? Because obviously, the shit ain't working. Yeah, I mean, because you know, 
Yeah, I don't oh, I'm sorry, people. maybe it is working for that special 2%, but really, people? I'm the master. At this yeah, point, I don't even blame them. At this point, I can't blame them. To, to communicate better to the masses. Yeah, you know, um, How are you being that, abused and you don't realize it? At a certain the, point, you got to take you got to take part personal responsibility. Slavery lasted for 400 years. Yeah, but uh, Negroes knew they were enslaved. Big difference. Some did not. You know, Harriet Tubman told you, no, they didn't. I would have, he said, I would have slaved 100 more if they knew they were slaves. Asada uh, uh, Shakur says, in order to truly be free, one must first be acutely aware that one is a slave. You can't be, uh, you can't be free unless you know you're slave. Even today. Right now, we are slavery. We just don't know it. We don't want to admit it. If you don't, if you can't admit that, then you can never get anywhere. If you think that you're fine just as it is, no. Um, but again, you don't really need everyone. Some folks gotta get left behind. Uh, but for the folks who are ready, to you will never get forward. that kind of a cleaving again. You will never get people that will actually step out of, be vocal enough to call someone like that out. That I just gave you a perfect example of the cowardice that runs deep within our community and in our society. Anytime you can have someone get on TV and that's the story that gets carried and there's no pushback, you are talking about a colony of cowards. So looking for that kind of bravery, we're going to be shorthanded all the time. Well, we you can't fight the same fight. On TV. We shouldn't be looking for that kind of bravery on TV. You know, it's not going to be a TV. I didn't even know you said that. You you, you put me on to something. I never knew you said that about LeBron. Uh, nonetheless, though, I don't really listen to Brock. <laughs> so that won't be, that won't resonate with me. Um, but we're coming up at the halfway point. That was quick. Gee. Uh, brothers and sisters, Africans and Africanettes, uh, sit tight. And we'll be right back on the Wake Up Radio, The Appeal. Oz Bryant. Robert Evans, two <laughs> Welcome back, brothers and sisters, uh, on the Wake Up Radio, uh, The Appeal. I am Oz Bryan, my co-host. How y'all doing? Sometimes they call me. Yeah, man. Uh, long tradition. So, yeah, man. Uh, you know, where are we? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Understanding history in order to make better decisions moving forward. Um, again, on the Wake Up Radio, shout out to all the uh, other on the Wake Up Radio family programs. You know, again, check us out anytime during the week. We got some full. Check us out on SoundCloud, YouTube, um, uh, dot com. You know, uh, for our content, like us, uh, subscribe. We appreciate you. We love you. Um, yeah, so. This advisory board is Facebook, Rob. Yeah. So this advisory board is an independent group that's funded by Facebook, but they're not. It's not from Facebook employees. Sure. They they criticize Facebook. Uh, if this I week. fund you and select you, guess what? <laughs> guess who's the actual employer and employee? Well, they, well, they try to put up that. They try to act tough this week, though. They they, yeah. they criticize Facebook for the suspension, how they carried out the suspension in such an ambiguous manner. Mm-hmm. Like I said, either, either one, suspend them permanently, two, put them back on, or three, give them a specific timeline. You just can't suspend them indefinitely. 
and um, they didn't like that. So they criticized their handling of it. Um, uh, you know, to which you know Donald Trump responded <laughs> predictably, frustrated, and you know, uh, still threatening at to this point own social media. I wish he would. I really, I think that's the best thing that he could do at this point for himself and his public image and for the rest of us. It would actually be a public good at this point where he could create something else. Uh, the, the, the thing is with social, uh, like I'm not the social media guy. I actually mm-hmm. think there's too much of it as it is. Um, you know, I don't how think there's enough. Platform, I think, uh-huh, you don't, you, say that you think there's enough? I don't think there is enough. You can have a little micro platforms out there, but without actual competition, you do have a major player like Facebook who's allowed to get away with things like this. If there was actually competition. I don't think we need Facebook. I mean, do you need mass communication? (laughs) Maybe maybe I'm an old man. What's the difference between Facebook and send you a text? You can't roll back the tide, though. So you're not going (laughs) to get people to actually abandon any, especially a company check. Uh, they probably should. We probably should. But being able to actually roll back something like that and working towards actually fixing the problems that it creates are two different things. You know, don't waste our... That would be silly. It would be a silly waste of time to try and roll back the technology so you have to adapt to it. And that's yeah, what we have done. Now, yeah, so don't get me wrong. I'm not saying people shouldn't use it. I'm just saying I don't, and I don't really get it. Um <laughs> And because there's so many platforms, it feels like you can do a lot of the same things on all of these platforms. Well, you could. If you remember back in the day, you know, when the Internet was actually still the Internet, you had to go to different sites to get different things. And that was the that was the real killer stroke for Facebook that separated it from its precursor, the beta version of Facebook, MySpace. MySpace was more customizable and it had a better, stronger, more positive you didn't see the same uh, sour effects so early. Facebook realized that people were printing or publishing, reposting articles from all over the internet. And it became like an aggregator because that's what people were actually talking about and giving their opinions on. But you're only going to see what your friends are posting. So you're you That's all you see, see anyway. That's yeah. all you see anyway. Even pre-internet, you live in a, a, a bubble as it is, we all do. That's why yeah, Facebook is a is a perfect for tracking people because it makes us. You make an automatic spider web for yourself. If I was a spy agency, the, my master stroke would be getting a society to adapt something like Facebook because you tell on yourself constantly. Well, yeah, that's, and that's what they do. The first thing when the cops rush you, they look to your Facebook page. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, that, Let me check your Facebook. Uh, you know, yeah. anybody who's that, that's been a dystopian, you know, signpost on the road to hell for a long time. But how we're actually using it right now, by having a company like Facebook be so integrated into the public conversation, we've already, in, back in 2016, it wasn't even a discussion about whether or not Facebook was really manipulating people's opinions. It was to what degree. If you look at the whole spillover between, you know, what the uh, right-wingers were doing, supposedly the get Trump elected with the, the deadly memes from Russia, it wasn't, again, a discussion of whether or not Facebook was having an influence, but how. And the fact that the Russians had somehow weaponized this platform to corrupt but, but, our brains. Like, like, so if Facebook didn't exist, I could still tell my friends the same thing. And you right? would still I have the same effect. Say- it just wouldn't be public. 
And that's the difference. Facebook has taken over that public space. You still have your same bubble. It's just now it's easier to access. And it's all in that one scroll. So what's the difference between Facebook and Instagram? Because Facebook allows a little bit extra level of interaction. Instagram, if you notice, they took away the fact that you can express, and they're trying to take away any way to express displeasure. You can express pleasure, but not so. The most you can do is kind of a discomfort face. You can't actually say, "I don't like this." Twitter, Twitter's unique in that way, then. So I I understand Twitter, and that's why Twitter is a complete cesspool. You don't see stories be you don't see stories being really broken on Facebook, but news moves through Twitter, even though it's not real news, it's opinion pieces and it's just like taking a snap poll of something. You get your average knucklehead with all kinds of neurosis and they can move a news story within 24 hours on Twitter if they get enough followers to just pass it around. Okay, the question is what would you say about, what's the difference between a Twitter user and a Facebook user? Because we use them in different ways, right? Yes. The Facebook users tend to be trying to still have that kind of a connection. It's designed to be around people that you're actually at least immediately connected to or had some type of interaction. That spiderweb pattern. Twitter seems focused more on just being an aggregator. So you can get that, you know, 140-something characters out there. It's not meant to tell a story. It's not meant to actually have any real detail. It's meant to be something brief. It's at most a headline and a link. That brevity has kind of made it worse to have a conversation in a public forum. So well, that's my thing is that you know, uh, you know, we have, well, I say we have a few that are, have distinguished themselves. I'm putting Twitter out there. I'll say Facebook. Uh, I, I guess Instagram, Instagram feels different because we use it different. Look like, at the, uh, the major, the major force behind Instagram is what Instagram models and looking good. You know, Instagram is the glossy magazine version of the oh, internet. You know, you literally become Instagram famous for doing nothing but taking pictures in front of somebody. That's Instagram. Uh, okay. I mean, again, I, I, I do not pretend to be a social media expert. Um, so, <laughs> well, I'm out but it, we'll have. that's an actual career. You can. You can make a living being an Instagram expert it it because it, it is public right. relations. It's an it's an outgrowth it's an outgrowth of public relations. You are not lying. You ain't and they're all lie. and they're all the same company. That's one aspect that people I don't think really get either. Instagram, Facebook, you know, and I believe WhatsApp yeah. are all the yeah. same. That's one company. Yeah. Which is why, the, which is why they, the trust folks have stepped in and talk about breaking them back up. And so uh, Facebook doesn't have this kind of monopoly that, or or edging toward the monopoly that appears. When's the last time we've done effective monopoly busting? Um, well, uh, effective monopoly busting. Yeah. Um, shit. Effective monopoly. We've busting. had how many congressional hearings <laughs> where they all go up to Capitol Hill? And they assure the paid monkeys that, no, we're not spying on you. And then someone from the spy agency says, yes, they're doing an excellent job spying on them for us. <laughs> so it's just a fucking puppet show. So what would be the effect of even breaking them up? You'd have a situation where you have something like Alphabet, which is literally Google, which is Facebook. Well, not Facebook, but uh, Gmail and YouTube. 
so even if you were to you know hang a different name on it what where's the information going and if it's all still being funneled through our intelligence agencies what difference does it make yeah, I mean, yeah, you got to be, well, you know, uh, there was a time where you could go underground. <laughs> and, you still um, could, but you'd have to be willing to cut a lot of electronic cords and things yeah, that you yeah. consider comforts. Yeah. God bless the Unabomber. <laughs> yeah, oh, hey. Uh, he, may have been, he may have been unstable, but the man wasn't wrong about a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> He did go to Harvard. <laughs> That's what drove him crazy. When you start seeing patterns and nobody else can see them, I can understand. I can sympathize. That that shit will drive you up a wall. But then you got to wait 10, 15 years, and it's like you see the dots actually do stack. And the hard thing is, again, I give Uncle Sam, hey, he, he taught us how to stack dots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 curious to say the least. Um, it's not curious. Sometimes it, it a system is working exactly as it's designed, and just because you don't benefit from that system doesn't mean that it's not working. It just means you weren't part of the plan. But you know, trying to see, when you see it, and you mm-hmm. test it, and you're like, oh, this is what it is. You know that that that's uh, the eureka moments, and and that's mm-hmm. what I mean by it's curious, right? Because there's a lot of folks who just exist. And, you know, they don't question it. And when you start to question it, it put the pieces together. Yeah, it, it is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's fascinating. I mean, there are people out there who do, but they're often discouraged, too. That's why these systems persist. And that's the danger. That's why they have to break up things like that, the free exchange of information like the Internet. And they do, you know, businesses, it, it's not even just like some kind of grand, crazy conspiracy. Sometimes... I. I do believe that it's just, you know, interests align. So you don't have to have, you know, people in a smoke-filled room. That does happen. But if interests align, you can skip the smoke-filled room and just be like, hey, how's it going? Here's my card. Call you later. You know? Yeah. And that's the society that we're in right now. That's the society we've always been in, but it's hyper-connected now, so things can move a little quicker. You know, if you were going to set up, if we didn't have a Federal Reserve system right now, we would set that shit up in less than a year, <laughs> in a heartbeat. Are you kidding me? It would take no time to consolidate that kind of power now with the kind of uh, convergent interests that we have and the kind of power that we have at play. You know, the, the power centers have never been richer or more connected. So our fights have to change. We even use it, you know, we can still, I honestly think us, we can have the same goals and the same, but we need to update our methods. Agreed. Uh, and, but, you know, when I say update, when you say upgrade our methods, I believe human beings at their core haven't changed in thousands of years, right? So the same but their methods have. things that drive it. But the technology has changed. The methods haven't, right? We still need to communicate. No, the methods very much have. have. It and, you know, the and way you we maybe, communicate, right? Emotions are emotions. People get sad and people get angry and people get scared the same way they've done for thousands of years. The methods haven't changed. The technology is the only thing that's changed. But uh, our human emotion and how we interact with each other, it hasn't changed. And so uh, making an appeal to the person's emotions, if there are any or lack thereof, uh, or, or understanding motivations, I don't think that's changed at all. Um, but we're, just, we've uh, been tapping into it. 
a lot of the forces that we're fighting against are, are shaping the emotional landscape that we work on. It's one thing to go to a population and say, hey, racism bad. Don't kick our ass in the street for being what we are. And then give them the example by walking in the street and then having the society kick your ass. Then more people can go, hey, that is bad. We shouldn't do that. And you win hearts and minds. That was the plan. Now you have the people who are benefiting from the current state of affairs shaping that public opinion. So even if you have your march and say, hey, stop smacking us around, doesn't matter. Because the people who run platforms like Facebook, etc., make the decision on what news actually gets aggregated. So I can either edit up that speech, I can edit up that march, I can make it look like the people who were beating the shit out of you were perfectly within their rights and saving the city from another horrible riot. How many, again, I tell you, how do you have, again, I will bring up the example of the Obama presidency, those last four years where you have a black man as president, or at least a mulatto man, and every day you got a new episode of How to Whoop a Negro on Facebook scroll. First time you wake up, that's what you're going to see, and it's going to be the major story. So if you have that shaping the public opinion, it doesn't matter how peaceful your march is. They're only seeing that one side. Is that a function of the artificial intelligence technology just naturally functioning the way it is? Like, in other words, is that just naturally the algorithm, or do you think someone's actually manipulating those results? Someone's manipulating those results. The, the, those, uh-huh. ag- those algorithms are written, okay? I, That's I, I, not human I, error. No, but I mean, but, they, but, you know, like they said, America will get the president deserves. Some things are this. Very, there's something very um, flawed in human personality. Maybe the the technology is just bringing out those flaws, right? Maybe that's what we're seeing. And people try to hide behind their A hammer. Doesn't care if that nail is made out of one material or another. It's still going to strike. If that nail but, bends, but it's because of what flaws. it's made out of. There are human. Looking, in other words, one thing here is humans don't really care about each other. Mm-hmm. Humans, humans, if left to their own guises, will say, the hell of everything else, I got mine. I and that maybe that's what you're seeing. Right? Maybe no, that's so we, we, Humans we respond to incentives and motivations. Your, so, I, your survival I, I instincts are based off of that. And what, no matter what some crazy Ian Randian follower wants to believe, we're actually communal creatures. No human okay. can survive on their own. If I stick you in the woods, I don't care what kind of survival expert prepper you are. You do need a community. You are not going to survive on your own. Maybe, okay. Hear me out. Maybe it's not that you don't need a community. Maybe it's not the community we're challenging. Maybe it's the position that that community has. Like I said, a dog. People like their dogs. They don't let them sit on the table. They don't let them eat at the table with them. They still treat them like dogs. So maybe we need people kind of in that manner. May not, maybe not necessarily to be equals and be seen with dignity and respect. You just need them to have them around to exchange ideas with. That doesn't put you on an equal footing, right? Maybe that's where it really is. That's a, oh, maybe that to me honestly America. sounds like an, that's an extreme form of uh, narcissism that you're describing. Yeah. It's literally a mental disorder. <laughs> so, okay, but uh, America... I'm not saying it doesn't. Disorder. Huh? <laughs> America could create mental disorders with all these other distractions and all these outside forces. Those it distractions are there for that. 
Those distractions are there for you to have a slightly disordered society. A happy, balanced society is harder to control because then they have time to... Once you give a group of people leisure time, and, and this has been true yeah. throughout history, that's yeah. when you get problems. Every time that yeah. you've actually had a worker's push or a push for more emancipation, greater expansion of human rights, recognition of human rights has been when human beings have gotten less labor time and more leisure time or had an introduction of a different class. You didn't have a push away from feudalism until you actually had a merchant class because the merchants were like, I'm not a fucking serf. You're not going to run in here and burn my shit and take my children and wife. You know? And why was the merchant class able to do that? Not because they were nice and they asked the royalty and the lay society to you know, stop abusing them. Because they organized their money, they hired some mercenaries and said, if you come into this town and pull this shit again, we're going to cut your heads off. And there was that level of respect that they finally earned where the nobility said, yeah, they're actually going to cut our fucking heads off. I guess we're going to have to deal. And then it was the serfs left hanging out there in the wind for a while. And then you had the next major push for human rights, etc., etc. Why? Because now the serfs had some free time, and they were doing less labor, and their, their labor was actually valued because there was less of them, because a lot of people died because of plagues and shit. So, you need that impetus. Society okay. isn't going to change on its own. You said plagues and shit. <laughs> you said plagues and shit. But anyway, come on. Well, I mean, just... <laughs> That was the major impetus. You didn't have as many people. So you did have, yeah. you had machines really coming. It's from not mixing up my eras too much from, you know, real surf mentality into the, uh, where you were starting to see an expansion of human rights and had the push for Magna Carta and crap like that. These were following major downturns in population. So now, you know, that farmer who wasn't worth anything, the fact that they can produce food is a lot more valuable. And that's that's what's missing from labor now. And I think that's part of why people are even scared about the coming technological push. That's why you have someone like Andrew Yang who is talking about it constantly. The American experiment is really built on conflicting ideas that are never supposed to come together. You can't have and, uh, a totally free society and one based on capitalism to the extent that it's, it's all about extracting labor because yeah. those two are contradictory. Very much so, I agree. And, and so you, that's why we bring it back to the uh, question at the top of the hour, can America survive America? I it mean, can as long uh, as it actually gets to know itself. We have to stop considering our economic system, our actual, you know, religion we, we're not a we're not even a representative republic anymore at this point we're just a capital an avaristic capitalist society and that's what's mm-hmm. turning so many people away that's how you can have such crazy amounts of unemployment for so long and people just like yeah everything's fine yeah 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 really? if anything the this uh downturn that we're in right now and is still continuing and will likely continue for some time should have shown us the massive disconnect between labor and actual social value at this point. If you're, if you call yourself a socialist or God forbid a communist or a Marxist or whatever the frack, how can you not really look at the difference in how labor is being measured in our society now? 
And how do you keep being a socialist or even marketing Marxism with the change in labor's value in the marketplace? You need a new shtick. Yeah. So uh, that's about our time. You got any closing thoughts uh, for the brothers and sisters before we part ways? We all, obviously myself included, but we all need to look at new methods of getting where we want to get to. Part of the Facebook discussion today is because the platform, the battlefield has changed. So we need to stop lining up with muskets and get a stealth bomber or something because our enemies have them. Pew, pew. <laughs> uh, thank you, my brother. Thank you, brother. Uh, uh, today, uh, we also remember uh, the passing of Henry McNeil Turner this week. Uh, that's a great A&E pastor. Uh, out of the South, Henry McTill turned, I'm going to leave with a quote by uh, Reverend Dr. Henry McNeil, actually one of the first people to graduate from Harvard as well, uh, whatever that means, white institutions, but back then that was something. I am <laughs> <laughs> uh, a member of this body. Therefore, sir, I shall neither fawn nor cringe before any party, nor stoop to beg. I'm here to demand my rights and to hurl thunderbolts at the men who would dare to cross the threshold of my manhood. Africans and Africanettes, Africans uh, adjacent, uh, since this has been on the wake up radio, Wars Appeal, aka The Appeal, Sister Cindy Ashby, OTW2.com. Till next week. Peace. OTWTube.com, uncensored free speech platform. Flawed individual. Cindy Ashby Production. On the wake up.